Welcome to the Global Band Group, a podcast that brings you stories, news, and great guests from across the world of wind, brass, marching band, and drum corps. My name is Keith Kelly, and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode, I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, and how they're making an impact in their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the global band room. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the band room, everyone. Uh, my name is Keith Kelly. Uh, we have a great show coming up today with Matthew Arau conductor, uh, director and founder of Upbeat Global, which focuses on leadership and professional development in our band community. So um, I'm very excited for you all to meet and get to know Matthew. But first, some news. So as you know, I'm a huge drum corps fan and Kaleidoscope Adventures, who are one of this show's sponsors, have just announced their Run To Your Own Beat fundraising event in aid of DCI and its cores and sound support teams. So normally at this time of year, many of the core members are starting to get into their strength and conditioning routines, getting ready for the upcoming season. So it's in that spirit that Kaleidoscope are inviting drum corps fans, alumni, members uh, around the world to sign up and select their cores or soundport team that they'd like to support and run as many miles as they can over the course of a week. So the core or sound sport team with the most miles by the end of the week will win scholarships for their program and the individual winners will uh, win a VIP trip for three nights at DCI finals uh, this year. Uh, registration costs $40 and, and I suppose even if you can't run, you can support your favourite core by getting f- friends and family to sign up to this because the more miles that count towards... Uh, your favourite core, maybe it's uh, Phantom Regiment, or maybe it's uh, Heatwave, your favourite Soundsport team, or or someone like that, um, you can actually help your core by just getting the word out there, even if you can't or aren't in a position to sign up yourself. So, uh, registration is opening very soon, but you can find out more about this over on their Facebook page at Kaleidoscope Adventures, uh, and they always have lots of interesting programs. There's a solo and ensemble competition happening right now at the moment, so maybe you might be interested in getting involved in that. Not much traveling happening in the world right now, It's it. we're all starting to think about it again, but Kaleidoscope are running some interesting programs over there. Uh, so head over and find out more. Now, I'm very excited about the next piece of news. Uh, with so much uncertainty in the world right now about when bands will be able to get back and start performing again, we're starting to come close to uh, St. Patrick's Day. And, and St. Patrick's Day, not only here in Ireland, is such an important day for bands. It's one of the great marching days in the world. There's parades all over the world and certainly that is the case here in Ireland as well with not only parades in our major cities like Dublin and Cork and Galway and Limerick uh, but also parades in every small little town across the country and we're missing, potentially missing out on that opportunity again this year for the second year in a row. That's that's an important fundraising day, it's an important recruitment day and it's just not going to happen again. So Bands of Ireland, which is where this podcast started, by the way, for for anyone that was around this time last year. Uh, Bands of Ireland are just after announcing their uh, project for St. Patrick's Day 2021. We're inviting 
musicians from around the world to record themselves in their band uniforms uh, playing a pre-selected piece of music. So here's how it's going to work. You head over to bandsofireland.com and you go to the St. Patrick's Day 2021 project there on the homepage and you can register your individual self to um, get involved in one of five projects. If you're Irish, there's four projects for one of each of the provinces here in Ireland. And if you're an international musician, there's an international uh, section as well. You download the music that's relevant for your particular section, and then you upload it to our website. It's super simple to get involved in this this year. There's no registration fee. We just want to celebrate community bands and marching bands and concert bands and all types of bands all over the world on St. Patrick's Day this year. So head over to bandsofireland.com and you'll be able to find out more information about that. So this week I was delighted to be able to have Matthew Arell join me for a, a really inspiring interview and conversation. What a great way to kick off the year talking about why we get involved in this thing called band and, and what it means to be a leader in your band and, and what it means to set goals uh, and ambitions for your band as well. Uh, myself and Matthew met in a very funny way really in recent months. Uh, online as everyone is meeting these days uh, and I do get into that in the interview but uh, a, a big shout out to uh, Brian Balmages for for making that that interesting introduction um, if you don't know Matthew already head over to upbeatglobal.com uh, he is doing an amazing work over there and I could have talked to him all day genuinely so uh, without further ado here is my interview with Matthew Arrow. So I am delighted to be joined this week by Matthew Arrell. Uh, we were introduced uh, very uh, briefly uh, recently, and it's a funny story uh, to, to, to how we were introduced by Brian Balmages. But to let you know a little bit about who Matthew is, he is the chair of the music education department and an associate director of bands at Lawrence University Conservatory of Music in Appleton, Wisconsin. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Keith. I'm, I'm delighted to spend some time with you today. It's it's great to talk to you at last. And I, I made mention there of how we were introduced. Uh, so for anyone that follows me on social media, you'll know that there's two uh, brands that I've mostly been known for over the last uh, number of months. Number one is the Global Band Room. If you're listening to this podcast, well, then you know all about the Global Band Room. The other is a new company that I set up in recent months called Upbeat Marketing, which is, uh, and here's my shameless plug, my, uh, my, my new brand for delivering delivering marketing and digital services to the music, music education industry. Uh, Matthew was there on both accounts before me because he has an organization called <laughs> Upbeat Global, which combines both of those. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just as I launched this new brand, Brian Balmages, uh, who I'm sure most of you are very familiar with, reached out to me and said, congratulations on the new company. I I'd just like to let you know about Matthew Arrow, who has this this brand and this organization. Uh, and so I reached out to Matthew and we, we, got, we got talking and uh, it seems like both of us have a very similar outlook on life and, and and the band world. So, Matthew, thank you so much for not uh, for not bringing me to court on, on both of those. <laughs> I, I thought, hey man, you have great taste. What great names! Go for it. <laughs> uh, and I do. I want to get into all of that upbeat global stuff because I think it is it is fascinating. And um, actually, 
is is quite a different um uh, outlook and and quite a different sort of level type of service that you offer to what to what I'm doing. So I do want to want to definitely get into that. And by the end of the podcast, people will be will have a much clearer idea of which organization and which company they they need to go to for for both of the, for, for for various different services. That's great, <laughs> Matthew. How is uh, how is life in Wisconsin these days and at Lawrence University? Um, how how's band and and how's uh, how, how is music education going where you are? Well, I'll tell you what, like like everybody around the world and and in the United States, you know, we found ways to to carve a path forward, right? And you right. know, when the when the shutdown happened in, in March over here. Uh, you know, we, we all had like what I call like this, this global caesura, right? This, this global pause to, to reflect and, and think about, you know, what truly matters and, you know, re reconnect to our sense of purpose and our why, you know, why teach music, you know, what, what is so important about it and to get back in touch with that. And uh, I, I think that's been a wonderful opportunity to reconnect to our initial spark, right? Um, when things mm-hmm. are taken away from us, we often... Uh, discover that more gratitude for what what we had, and we, and if and if we're intentional, we can find gratitude for what what we have in this moment, like in this now. And and where I am at Lawrence University Conservatory of Music, we've uh, provided choice to our students. So we do have about sixty percent of the students on campus in person, uh, socially distanced with masks, and and we're doing everything we can to keep it safe. We've, we've kept the uh, the number of cases extremely low. We, below 1% on campus. Uh, and then uh, about 40% of the students are receiving their instruction from home online. All the faculty were given options as well. I chose to deliver my uh, teaching and instruction fully virtual for this year. And that's allowed me to, to connect with, with students, uh, primarily online, but also in some hybrid settings with students uh, in, in person. In, in fact, last week, we launched two ensembles. Uh, I collaborated with with some wow. some enthusiastic students. We launched an, a mariachi ensemble. We call the Lawrence University Mariachi Ensemble. Uh, we call it Lume, <laughs> L-U-M-E, Lume for for the mariachi ensemble. Super excited about creating that. And then another ensemble we launched Wednesday night was the Instrumental Ensemble Lab, which uh, allows students to, to conduct, rehearse, and uh, tons of student empowerment and student leadership with some guidance from some public school music educators and, and professors. But, but um, you know, I just think that's amazing in a pandemic that we can still find ways to create something new. And that's been the exciting thing, I would say. Uh, hats off to educators around the world for, for your creativity and innovation uh, to, in a way, reimagine and reinvent yourselves and how we deliver music education. Well, you know, when when you're part of an industry, I think, um, and and this goes no matter where you are in the world, if you're part of the arts community and the music community, I think we're always under-resourced anyway. And it, it means that we're just going to be a more creative um, a cohort of people, I think. And so we already were quite under-resourced in many parts of the world and in, in, in our band. So uh, I think we, 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 were, we were ready for this in many ways. Isn't that wild? It's like we got to get in touch with our inner create, creative you know, being. <laughs> and we always tell like music teaches creativity. It's like, well, now's our chance <laughs> to show the world. Well, we, well, well it's, it's, we it's, this, um, it's this idea that, that mu- music has, has always prospered during uh, times of adversity. 
you know uh, i mean i can only just point to ireland uh, in the 1980s and there's plenty of other uh, other examples of this throughout the world but ireland in the 1980s was economically ruined mm. and yet like very very famous bands came out of those those times like we were talking about u2 u2 and thin lizzy and uh boomtown rats and and sinead o'connor and like some of these like iconic rock stars that like were were huge and for anyone that's listening and doesn't know who, who some of those people are then then you're just too young to know who they are <laughs> um but like iconic pop stars and they all came out of grungy sort of economically depressed Dublin in the 1980s. And I think that's a good, you know, I think that there's plenty of examples of, of that around the world. I think music prospers because people need the arts. They need that spark of life during these these times. And I think we've seen a lot of that in our own uh, band world, I think, globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been been amazing to see, uh, particularly composers, right? Composers are, are the heroes, you know, coming together and, and reimagining their works that were for full, oh, yeah. full band and creating flex ensembles. So thank you uh, to the, these composers who who saw a need. We, we all had this need and they provided the service to allow us to to reach, to continue to reach our students um, in, in exciting ways and flexible and adaptable ways. And uh, I also, yeah, like you said, like struggle and, and, and crisis and adversity is like the the, uh, the clarion call to artists, right? It's like when when we are feeling that you know the, the the pressure, the angst, or something. That's what like oftentimes great art is created from our heart to express uh, you know tragedy and, and, and depth of feeling. And uh, you know, I just think of the the explosion of art that's coming out of this now and will continue. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Matthew. Uh, what I, I I really want to get into talking about um, a lot of this with you, but for a lot of the people that are uh, tuning in and finding out who Matthew Arau is, um, let's talk a little bit about your background and where you came from. How did you get involved in 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 band and in music? Was it was it part of your childhood growing up? Yeah, so I, I was born in Santa Monica, lived in Los Angeles for four years, and then we moved to Sacramento when I was four. So that's where I did all of my public education. And uh, fortunately, I, I grew up in a family that, that always had music playing on, on the records. And, you know, I remember you know, like the Jackson 5, you know, uh, uh, Jackson Brown and, and uh, just, uh, gosh, so uh, such a variety of, of music uh, listening as I was growing up. And my sister was into, into groups like Rush and Sticks and Ario Speedwagon. I'm listening <laughs> to all this stuff, right? And so I started writing songs when I was five years old. And and and, and don't think I was like a Mozart or anything, because they were just lyrics and, and, and melodies. And, and I wrote this first tune. It was called I Would Like to Be a Gardener. <laughs> right? So <laughs> I formed a band and it's called the Annual Flames. And my first instrument was a tennis racket, right? And then I added my brother when he got old enough to play the drums, but they were just ice cream cartons like turned over like you know those barrels of ice cream that, that are emptied out and he played the played the drums with chopsticks so that was my early band and uh then I started piano when I was seven and I really wanted to play piano I looked up to my older sister she played piano my mom had played piano and I wanted to play piano so I just fell in love with that but in second grade I heard a group of sixth graders so I must have been like 11 year olds um playing traditional jazz you know like the origin of New Orleans and 
Mm. And things like when the Saints go marching in and Sweet Georgia Brown and that kind of thing. And they came to our elementary school and performed a school assembly. And I fell in love with the saxophone. In fact, there was the saxophonist. His name's Kyle O'Brien. I said, I want to be like him. So when I got to choose my <laughs> instrument, which is such a defining moment for so many of us, right? When we, we choose our instrument, I chose the mm. alto sax when I was nine. And uh, j- just love good it. choice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Is that what you? I like? wanted to be. A, I wanted to be a saxophone player, and uh, I was given a clarinet and told <laughs> that I'd in 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 a few months they'd move me over to a saxophone. And twenty three years later, I got my first chance to play a saxophone when I was already playing professionally with the army here. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Fantastic. Well, I, yeah, I'm just so grateful for for band. For me, uh, jazz was the force that that in, that uh, drove me forward. You know, we, I grew up in in Sacramento, where the the International Jazz Jubilee was held every Memorial Day at the end of May uh, that that weekend, and uh, great jazz musicians from all over the world would come and perform, and that drove me. and And uh, I got so into jazz and practiced so much that um, I was fortunate to, to be a part of the Monterey Jazz Festival High School All-Star Jazz Band. And we got to tour Japan two summers in a row when I was a junior and senior in high school. And then to top it off, my, my last act as a, as a senior the summer before going to, to college, I got to, to play with Dizzy Gillespie at the Monterey Jazz Festival. Wow. And uh, yeah, I got to solo on, on a Mickey Mouse Club show when I was 16 as a, as a no way. With, my, with my traditional jazz group. Uh, in uh, Orlando, Florida on the Disney Channel. So it was like jazz was everything. But I went to Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin to, to study music and did a double degree in government and uh, started off with jazz emphasis, continued with that, but also added classical performance and then music education and, and, and government. And, and then I, through that process, I just like, gosh, I just love teaching. And when you know, I started conducting and that rush of, of creating music together in an ensemble that way, it just filled my heart. So I became a band director, moved to Colorado and taught middle school band in Colorado for eight years and then seven years uh, at high school. This is all in the city of Loveland. So uh, uh, Loveland High School is where I finished my career and got really into leadership at that time, started something we call the Leadership Symposium in 2006 and then went on to grad school for uh, conducting and uh, worked on my doctor of musical arts and conducting. I should also mention I, I did receive my master's degree at the American Band College uh, mm. when I was a middle school director. And uh, so all those incredible experiences. And then I got this invitation to join the faculty of Lawrence University as a visiting professor. And uh, I left my doctorate degree a little bit early. I was all, all the dissertation. So finished up the dissertation, all that stuff. My first year as a visiting professor, then became an assistant professor uh, in my second year. And I'm in my seventh year now at Lawrence. Wow. That's kind of... So, full, full, so full circle from, from being there as a, as a student. It was a, yeah, a dream come true to return to your alma mater. Just, just imagine how, how neat that was. Amazing. And so for someone that, that, that you saw, you studied uh, music and you studied government as well. It was, was, was public service something that was always of interest to you, Matthew? I, I just, it strikes me that doing the work that you do now with, with Upbeat Global too, that um, this seems to have been something that might have been always, uh, always part of you, that yes, you wanted to study music, and, but you also wanted to, to help grow and, and help uh, and help society through through um through your selections of, of, of studies 
Yeah, you know, it's so fascinating to, to, to reflect on that because the answer is yes. In fact, I was torn for years as to what my calling was, right? I, I did want to serve and make a, make a difference. And, and for the longest time, I thought maybe that could be in, in government. And, and I even considered oh, wanting to be the, the Secretary of Education, you know, for the United States. And I, thought, <laughs> I mean, that's a huge, like, whoa, that's a, that's a huge <laughs> dream, right? But you know what I, I realized through my study, and this is like the self-enlightenment was that uh, it's not so much about like the, the making of the policy, because sometimes like your dream of a policy isn't what actually gets implemented in, in the end at the local level. And I, for me, I said, you know, I want to be on the front line. I want to be on the front line of making a difference and touching students' lives every day, even if that's 30 students, 40 students, 100 students, mm-hmm. 200 students in my band. That's where I want to make a difference because that person-to-person touch, and that's why I made the decision to become a music educator instead of a politician. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> I did learn a lot about leadership in those years, and it's fascinating to think of those disparate topics of political science and music, thinking like, oh, those are two different paths. And today, I've been able to bring my uh, passion for leadership and inspiration and motivation and personal development and come together to collaborate with music education uh, with what we've created with Upbeat Global. Uh, I, yeah, I do think it's fascinating because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a similar path to, to, to myself in some ways. Um, and, 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 uh, music advocation and the, the 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 organization around music has just always been part of my life and and so you know politics have always played a, a role in 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 that in that work for me um and i think sort of as band directors uh, no matter where you are in the world there's a degree of of um soft skills that are required right like politicians we we have to advocate we're always trying to justify the existence of our programs and we're trying to work with um with 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 school principals and school boards and local businesses and um i think band directors make good politicians i I don't see them being very different skill sets in some ways (laughs) yeah you have to you have to build bridges right you have to connect right and, and yeah, you have to build, you know, allies and people to support you. And it, every day is, is an act of advocacy, isn't it? You know, every day we're, you know, trying to touch students and then if the students uh, have a great experience. They share that with their parents and then the parents support the, the, the music teachers and the music program. And, you know, you got to check in with the administrators and let them know, you know the, the wonderful things you're doing and, you know, invite them into your music room to share and, and all those things you could say, yeah, that's, that's a political act. We don't think about it that way, but building relationships and connecting with others and, and, and uh, promoting what you're doing in a positive fashion, you know, it is a political act. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. And, and so you went, you were a middle school director then for, for eight years. Um, I've recently found myself teaching beginning band here for the first time in, in quite a few years um, for my own kids band. Um, which, which is, which, which is, uh, fantastic. Um, and it's, it's a, it is a different skill. Um, it is a completely different skill and takes a very different type of person, um, uh, that, that will be, that will prosper and will, 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 uh, you know, I, I have so much admiration for some of the, these top middle school directors around the U.S. Uh, you know, Darcy Williams in, in Texas, like I listen to after sectionals podcast regularly and you know just doing amazing work there 
how did you find middle school t- teaching? Um, is, is it something that, that you still have a fondness for? I, I love it. I, I'm so fortunate that I still get to continue to work with middle school students and, and conduct all state middle school honor bands or region middle school honor bands and connect with, with that age group. While I was a middle school director, I, I found every day exciting. And I think it's, you know, everything was new fresh hmm. for the students and for me right like, like opening that that clarinet case right and, right or, yeah right or like um bringing the the, the three-quarter in, the three-quarter size tuba over to the student and saying hey we have one for for you to play in school and then we're gonna have one for you to keep at home so you don't have to carry this back and forth and, and, and just the, the lights going off and the, and that their eyes going getting big like wow this shiny thing is mine and then- but that is the best part of it i i, I find uh, and i mean I'm, I'm sure i'm sure there's 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 lots of middle school directors out there listening to this that will say oh well you know this is my favorite part of it but yeah I, I mean surely i think that's something that most of us as directors find is the most rewarding like giving the kid their instrument for the first time letting them like open that case and you know try to get a sound like that's that's very rewarding just seeing that excitement yeah certainly are are there challenges along the way of course i mean i remember the, those the first notes right sometimes they're even called the first note in the method book right and it's like right. and you're like okay let's let's try that again right and that's just the beginning of doing things <laughs> repetitively over and over and over to get better i always get a video of that every year i always get the full group into a class i teach them that first note and then we get a video of them playing their first note in unison together and they're allowed to point their instruments in any direction they want and not into each other's ears of course (laughs) but just have fun with that first note you see some of them marching with their legs sitting in the seats and like they're so excited and to watch those videos back three four five years later uh, <laughs> is <wonderful>. so funny <laughs> yeah I, I i guess for me taking students from zero to a hundred you know in the three years to to realize mm. that uh, you know what what they could create after three years is is almost like awe-inspiring you know and so so you you decided though after a number of years that you wanted to move on into into exploring other areas of the band world and was that was that you you say that you did that because you were you were going to 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 do your doctorate and so on did you think you'd find yourself back at middle school did you was was there ever an intention to to go go back into that um into that environment or had you kind of reached a point where you wanted to explore other uh, parts of, of 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 the the band world. Yeah, you know, people have asked me, "Hey, Matthew, you've had an opportunity to teach all levels. Uh, what's been your favorite part?" And I and I respond, "What I was doing at that moment was my favorite." You know, so I I did right. cherish <laughs> yeah. and love middle school. And while I was a middle school director, you know, I, I pursued my master's degree at the American Band College, and I really got exposed to you know some other literature. And uh, for me. I, I wanted a, a new challenge for me. I, I mean, I could have stayed as a middle school director my entire career and loved every minute, but I wanted another challenge. So, and high school was a challenge for me, you know, leading the marching band, you know, uh, taking, preparing students uh, to take them to the highest level that, that we could in those four years. That was a new challenge. And, and likewise, you know, moving to uh, graduate school to pursue 
conducting was just more about personal growth and personal development. And when I think about it, this idea of like continually pushing myself to unlock my own potential and mm-hmm. to continually read personal growth and development works and and to just always improve myself as, as a musician and as a human being. It's fascinating to think that all of that has been preparation for what I'm able to, to do and serve, uh, you know, uh, student musicians and music educators around the world now. It's in a way it was a preparation. I, back then I had no idea that I would be, you know, teaching, teaching leadership to mm. educators, you know, and, over 25 states in the United States and four continents. Back, I had no idea that that was coming, <laughs> but I definitely had uh, a passion for, for personal growth. And I was applying what I was learning about leadership with my students and growing student leader programs and, and empowering them. Um, and uh, so it's, it's just fascinating how you don't always have that clear vision of where you're headed, but um, uh, sometimes the, the things that you're doing now are setting you up for something that you can't even expect 10 years down the line. Over the years, I've had the pleasure to host many visiting international bands, choirs and orchestras here in Ireland, alongside my own bands and groups. Every one of these events is exciting, and my favourite part of each exchange is seeing the musicians, kids and adults, interact with each other, sharing their stories and experiences. If it wasn't for the accent, I'm not sure I could identify my own band kid sometimes. So when I got into the music travel business, I wanted to make sure I was working with a company that understood that these exchanges were at the heart of the experience and not just something to be ticked off an itinerary. I've been so fortunate to find not one, but two companies, Celtic Horizon Tours in Ireland and Kaleidoscope Adventures in Florida. They share these values and they respect the ensembles and students that they work with. So, whether you're trying to plan a domestic tour in the US with the highest of standards for ensuring your group is safe and healthy, or whether you're starting to plan for that international trip in 2022, you can contact me at keith at globalbandroom.com to start working with me and these world-class student travel teams. And while you're doing that, you're supporting the podcast and documentaries. Thank you. Well, let me talk a little bit about the idea of leadership um, then with you, Matthew. Um, you know, that this is the context in which I was, was introduced to you. Um, and so I want to, to, to talk to you a little bit more about it. Um, the idea of leadership within um, sports teams has always been, you know, pretty much a given. You know, sports teams have their captains and they they have their managers and their coaches and so on. Um, and But it strikes me that the idea of leadership and, and leadership training within the band world is, is certainly from as a European, from a European standpoint, is a relatively new concept. Um, and um, tell me a little bit about the, the value of teaching leadership in a band-specific context. Uh, we can probably see it, the marching arts world is probably the, the most uh, explicit version of that sometimes because we have our drum majors and our you know section captains and, and all that sort of stuff. But, but, but teaching music leadership uh, in, in all band settings, tell me a little bit about the value of that and, and, and sort of your, your goals when you start working with, with, 
various programs? Well, first of all, I uh, didn't necessarily understand the the the, the true value of uh, leadership training until I started doing it and and witnessed the incredible transformation of my high school music program through training of leadership. And so I got to experience it firsthand. In fact, I, I started the leadership program that we call the Leadership Symposium out of response to crisis and struggle. I took over this, this highly successful music program. There was resistance from the seniors. Um, there was some in like in-house cultural issues, you know, some negativity, um, so, you know, students working against each other. And I realized like the true competition wasn't with, you know, outside externally, it was amongst ourselves that we needed to tend to our, our own culture and how we treated each other with dignity and respect. And so it led to meeting after school once a week with, with any student in the band that was interested in just what kind of band do you want to create? And that was often the question, like, what kind of band do you want to create? What's it going to take to get there? What are traditions you want to create? And we would you know, maybe watch a 10-minute clip from a video featuring Tim Lotzenheiser talking about student leadership, or we would uh, talk about a chapter from the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and how that could be applied in, in the students' lives. And, and that's how it started. And by, what we discovered is that by working on our personal growth and our personal leadership, that led to lifting up the entire music program. And instead mm -hmm. of me asking students to like stop talking in rehearsal or whatever, um, it started off with me simply saying, you know, section leaders and the section leaders would you know, ask the students to stop talking. And then in the, in the first year, and there'd be a student leader say, hey, uh, Mr. Rao, can I come up and, and speak to the students? About, and, they would, and they would speak to the students and they would say, you know, I think we can do better. I think we can work harder than mm. more focus instead of it coming from me. It started coming from the students. And eventually we just had this culture that students recognize that leadership is inspiring and encouraging others to achieve their full potential. And the students recognize that they don't have to have a leadership title to be a leader. What that means is that we lead from within mm. every one of us, every day we can find somebody to encourage or being prepared on your part is inspiring to others. And you could be the last chair student in your section, right? But if you're, if you're focused and you're, and you're making progress and you're practicing and you're diligent, that can inspire others. And, mm. and that became like the ethos for the program. And it lifted us musically. It lifted us culturally, how we treated each other. It lifted our reputation in the community as uh, reporters came and, and were reporting on like what's going on in, in, in the Loveland High Band and we started writing articles that helped us in fundraising and uh, I, I think the whole experience was filled with much more joy positivity and growth because of the focus on leadership that first of all I just wanted to share that because that's what planted the seed mm. for me about why leadership matters and and you know you can go into a, a bookstore or go into Amazon and you'll find plenty of of books right on leadership and sports and leadership and business and and the reason they teach leadership is because they know that when you have a group of people together that when you uh focus on personal growth and and how to lead others and and how to be an effective follower that that lifts the entire organization so my feeling is if it works for other organizations certainly it's going to work for music programs and uh with with my work with with you know uh, you know, hundreds of programs and thousands of students. 
uh, that's become true for sure. So I, 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 I'm going to put put it to you then, and I, I fully, fully agree with everything that you're saying, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here and put myself in the shoes of a band director that is up against the wall. Uh, they've very few resources. They've high expectations for their band to perform maybe at competition or at events or, 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 or fundraising or whatever it is. And they may say, well... I just need to get through the rehearsals. I, I haven't got time to um, focus on student leadership. I'm going to, you know, some of these students are going to be here for another year and then they're going to move on. I'm, I'm, I don't have time to develop this in addition to everything else that I have to do. What would you say to a director like that? And and if they, I suppose the follow on question that would be that if you then can convince them that maybe this is something that they need to focus on, what are the first steps for them to start introducing a culture of leadership of student leadership within that program it's a it's a, it's a big question and an open-ended question great great and then i'll start chipping away and if you <laughs> want to insert and and uh yeah. add some things please feel free i for me and i shared this at the midwest clinic in 2014 when i when i gave a session there called leadership matters enhance your music program with effective student leadership and what i shared is that uh, it's an investment it's an investment. So we think about, you know, our, our paycheck coming in, right? And and we think like, oh, I have to, you know, I only have so much and and I'm going to use it up on on groceries and the mortgage and the car and the, and all these expenses. I'm not going to have anything left to put into savings. But if you can put like 5% and in, in invest it every month, right? That grows and grows and grows and grows. And, and what I like to share is that you don't need to like overhaul the entire program. You just need to make it important and matter. And, and for me, it comes to motivation and why and how humans are motivated. And when we are motivated, we will go above and beyond. Okay. Now, how you get motivated mm-hmm. is when you are given autonomy, choice, and a sense of personal freedom. And that happens when the director changes the the way the interaction of the ensemble works instead of being a one-way street of director to the musicians uh, the musicians begin to become empowered and given voice and and uh, and given space to 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 lead okay and that could mm-hmm. start off with asking a student to lead a sectional now, all of a sudden, you're going to be getting some work done outside of the rehearsal, and it's being led by a student. Now, I would recommend spending some time with the, the, the students that are going to be leading sectionals before they do it, instead of <laughs> lead a sectional, right? Right? And you might say, well, I don't have time, but I'll tell you what. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot more time in yeah. meetings with parents. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, on the back end, clean up. But I'll tell you what, this is why it's worth the investment. Let's say you have a 10 minute meeting and you and you come up with uh, pedagogy strategies and say, I need you to follow these five steps to, to prepare uh, to, to you know, begin, begin. This is how you're going to teach. Here's going to break it down. And and, you know, this this is your goal for the sectional. You set that up on the front end. All of a sudden now you have exponentially increased uh, learning and growth of your students because you have delegated responsibility. Now, this is outside of the rehearsal. Right. 
But mm. imagine that this empowerment of a section leader and, and they can also within the rehearsal have a moment. And here's, here's how this works is to, to provide space for that. So you're working on a piece and then you recognize, you know what? I bet the group would get better if I just said, hey, section leaders, uh, discuss with your section about three things that you think they could do and get some input from them as well and take like two or three minutes to do that. I do this at the university still. And it's amazing. Mm. So, so that you empower the students to think like musicians, to think like to think like conductors, to think like directors, because they have it within them. They're thinking it anyways, but they ne- are never given a voice. You give them a space for that, to talk amongst themselves. And, and then the students are like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do it. And then you say, okay, let's go back to letter A. <laughs> let's see what you got. Boom. <laughs> so many things are, are going to be cleaned up and, and improved because you gave uh, students a voice and you empowered them. Isn't that awesome? It, it, it is. And and I, I've seen it, you know, it, sometimes we're such a visual species sometimes, you know, and you can see that working in a marching context a lot of the time. You can see how, um, you know, dividing the group up and working with some more experienced marching band members to teach a little bit of the drill, teach a little bit of the show um, can, can clean things up. But then when we get into the concert band setting, um, and I speak as someone that that you know is is equally at, at home in, in marching band or concert band. But when we get in front as conductors, we stand on that roster and we're conducting the band. And and it it it's so easy to forget that you have 50, 60 humans in front of you that have their own motivations and uh, and 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 needs and and, and human interaction needs. Um, and and you just start performing the band like it's an instrument and forgetting that they need these little subtle human interactions with each other as well as you it's not a you know they say i hate this term you know that the, the the conductor is the last bastion of the dictator you know because it, it it removes that opportunity for the band to be its own to build its own culture uh, that's so true and, and and i'm glad that you brought up like for that personal human element because I don't know about you, but I have played under conductors that seem to just see all of us as as a part, as a musician. In yes. Fact, almost like yeah. look over our heads, like not even make eye contact. And they could be a brilliant musician with, you know, depth of score study and wonderful gesture and, and a vision for how they want the music to be. But I feel like an inanimate object you know, you know, doing my best, but less, not as inspired, right? As when I work with a conductor who really seems to connect with us as a human being, eye contact um, has, has, it's taken the time to get to know us, right? And that can happen at the beginning of rehearsal, after rehearsal, maybe some humor within the rehearsal um, and to connect to us, uh, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that leads to an even heightened level of performance. And sometimes people can't put their finger on it. Like they'll listen to a group and they'll say like, that was like a spiritual experience. Mm. Mm. Right. And, and the director says like, I know <laughs> because, because <laughs> we, we've intentionally worked together to connect spirit to spirit. And uh, again, I use that word intention because we can be intentional about uh, creating a culture where every person feels valued. And when we feel valued, we then actually become a better version of ourselves and, and we are more motivated, inspired, focused, more aware, and, and we're, we're able to connect to others in the ensemble. So 
the other thing is not only director to musician, but to have this, this uh, web of connections uh, amongst the musicians and to the conductor. Too often there's this uh, w- like wall, this barrier, right? Like there's the band and there's yeah, the conductor, right. right? And they shall not meet in the middle, right? But, but when we can come together and create a collaborative spirit, and in so much of it is our language, and I'll share this with directors. I'll say, you can just flip a couple words that you're using and change everything. And, and, and some of it is just to start saying, we, or let's, mm. let's begin, let's begin um, at letter Q, right? Let's, let's mm-hmm. do this together. Um, you know, um, I would love to know, you know, your thoughts in this section, you know, bring the musicians into it. But when we can create a spirit of we rather than I, you, uh, I really believe that people will sit on the edge of their seat, be more motivated to come to rehearsal, be more invested during that time. And that's when the magic happens. That's when like that, that special sizzle happens. Well, it's interesting, Matthew, like, because I've I've been on both, both ends of this too. And, and I've sat under conductors that... Um, almost forget to call people by their name sometimes. Now, I know there's there are going to be situations where you're not calling musicians by their name because you don't want to uh, maybe call out someone, you know, and, and, and that's and that's that that that's fair. But but I, I often hear conductors only referring to this sections or the stands or just actually forgetting to say, Hi Keith, you know, can you maybe uh, play a little? That that was beautiful. Can you play that out a bit more? I'll be referred to as, "Hey, clarinet one, <laughs> can you play that?" I, we actually, I, I've I've seen it. I, I've probably been guilty of it a little bit, a bit myself, forgetting that these people have names and they are humans sitting in front of me with their own personalities and might like to be. The power of a name is so important, actually, um, and we forget that sometimes. That if I hear my name telling me to uh, or asking me to play something out or maybe to change an articulation, I'll react to that a little bit more than uh, just being referred to as a clarinet tree or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. If, if we could think that these are the, like, think of like a community band or, or, uh, you know, a, a European band or, you know, you know, that's, that's many ages in, in the group. And, and, and so often, mm. you know, my, my experience, you know, conducting in Greece, for example, you know, so much fun working with a, with a community band in an afternoon or evening rehearsal. And then everybody would go out to a pub afterwards. Right. And, and you're mm. talking and you're getting to know each other and, and, and you see, you know, that the conductor, you know, talking with the musicians and whatnot and connecting. If you can think about, hey, you still have that connection in rehearsal, <laughs> the same kind of connection <laughs> you have in a social situation, uh, you know, treat with kindness, um, treat with respect, no matter what. And, and when we can recognize that we all have the same goal, right, to express and create beautiful music, to to move others, to, to have that, that powerful experience in rehearsal and then ultimately in a concert setting when we realize that we're we're on the same team that changes everything i find even body language can affect that feeling and what i like to share is where our heart goes energy flows and so when we're talking to musicians if we can turn like really turn our heart towards that musician even if we're standing on the podium and that shows like true commitment and and true connection but if you know if we turn our head and and our shoulders kind of like towards them and we're talking to them it shows that we're not fully committed 
And, and it's amazing how the body language, like that open torso uh, can, can uh, project mm. so much. Isn't that fascinating? Like even crossing our arms on the podium or like slouch shoulders, it sends a message to our musicians. And I learned uh, from James Jordan, the, the great choral conductor and author, author of The Musician's Soul and many other works. I got to go to a conducting workshop with him um, maybe in the, in the early 2000s. And he shared that when he comes up to the podium, he likes to think of bringing his arms up as if he's embracing the ensemble, right? And that his heart is like open to the ensemble. And that made an impact on me. I thought, mm. here, we're in this together. Like, let's work together. And in my study of language, I learned that actually that word together uh, affects us at a molecular level. <laughs> Isn't that a fascinating? Words can affect us at a physiological level. And I think that, that together is one of the most powerful words because I think as human beings, we're hardwired for love, connection, and belonging. And we want mm-hmm. to be in communities. We, that's one of the reasons we love band. I think the word band, the word band is a magic word for us because it truly means a group of people coming together for a common cause. Mm-hmm. That's what band is. But oftentimes we don't feel that way. Like you feel the musicians are coming together for a common cause. The director has their own mind. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in this together. That can change everything. That's it's it's fascinating. And, and like, uh, you know, as as I'm sure any of us that, that have played a significant amount under under conductors um, over the years um, will know that like even a smile, you know, a smile from a conductor while you're performing something or, you know, just a little wink or a nod or those small little embraces, you know, that no words mean so much to a performer, Absolutely. you know, um, and uh, I, I just think as as directors, we we just need to remember um, that people want that connection. Uh, they don't want to just know um, what to perform. They, they want to know that there's an, an act of communication happening um, that, that transcends the music in some ways. So important. Absolutely. So from a European standpoint, because I know a lot of colleagues will be listening to this saying, well, this is this is all great. And I, I fully see why student leadership is so important from a U.S. context. Um, but but over here, uh, we have bands um, that are multi-generational. I, I have um, in my own band, I have seven year olds and I have 70 year olds in that one band. And so student leadership can kind of get lost and and there's so many bands around the world that that have this format you know really once you're outside of the US this is kind of the majority of the bands right. i was very lucky in the band that i grew up in that it was very like a high school band people graduated at uh, 18 years of age and so we actually had a very strong leadership uh, culture within our band and so i've always believed in this as being part of what a band needs but when you start moving into most community bands they're going to have an adult uh, management committee that pretty much manages everything. And so the students uh, are there to, to perform and they're, they're part of the group and they're obviously they're, they're, they're well taught and they're, they're very welcome. But they never really get an opportunity to take a ownership of, of, of part of the band. Now, some bands, I'm sure, manage this very well and they already have answers to this question. But for bands that don't or have never really thought about this or they're listening to the podcast and going you know what maybe this is something that i need to address what would you suggest how how can we adapt some of these leadership questions for bands that have multi-generational components Hmm. well uh, 
I, I think it's such a such a positive aspect of the the bands that I've been able to to work with outside of the United States to just see mm. that, that that mentorship, like you mentioned. You know, it's I think it's a wonderful experience for, for the, the, the young students to, to work side by side with, you know, with people that, that could be like their grandparents, right? Like that, yeah. that age difference. I think it's amazing. It's quite unique, Matthew, isn't it? Like, I mean, I know, you, you, you know, even in, even in Europe, it's actually like an, an elsewhere in the world, it's quite unique because if you have a sports team, then it's going to be, you know, based on age. If you have various different groups throughout a community, it's usually about age. It'll be divided up into age, but a band is one of the few places in a local community that might have a granddad and a grandson playing in in the same. Kids grow up knowing that, you know, these old people in their <laughs> 40s and 50s <laughs> aren't like aliens, that they, they have, you know, emotions. We, we, we don't really get that cross-generational experience anywhere else. That's one of the things I, I really advocate for in community bands here. It should be a positive thing that we celebrate. And, and so I'm really glad that you kind of, you, you, you've, um, you've pointed that out, uh, Matthew. Well, I was just thinking about the, the impact on community, like really on, on the, 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 the village, the town, the city, like connecting people from uh, multi-generations together and, and what the impact that could be actually, you know, outside of the band that, that, you know, we realize, you know, what, that the youth have a lot to teach the, the people that are older, right. And the older we have, right. right? So I'll, I'll speak as, as an older person, right. In my forties, I have, I have, you know, I have maybe some, some life, some life learned lessons that I can share, but you know what? The youth have so much to teach us and, and 2020 and 2021, I'm sure they have, that has uh, been spotlighted even more, right? Just imagine what we can learn from the youth <laughs> when we just pause and ask and, and uh, you know, and technology is the, the obvious thing, you know, social media, all the, all these aspects of how youth are, are ahead of us, right? And they're, they're on top of it. Like they're born into this. And uh, so just kind of brainstorming with, with you and the listeners about you know, how can we still find ways to empower the youth when there's members of the group that, that, are, uh, that are adults, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And uh, well, I, first of all, I think creating a culture where every member is valued is, is where you begin and that every person has something to offer. Just that, that idea that every person here has something to offer. And then what I found is so powerful, instead of me having to have all the answers and all the ideas, I love to create a situation where I ask. So in this situation, I would actually bring all of the, you know, the, 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 the young students, the elementary, middle school, high school age students together maybe and say, hey, I, I really want to give you a voice, empower you. In what ways do you think you have something special to offer? How could you you know, help the group go further. And, and one thing that just came to mind was, well, a, a student, a young student might have like great ideas on promotion, <laughs> right? Uh, like mm. advertising the, 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 the concert coming up. Or, or, or recruitment, you know, because yeah, we're looking yeah. to get their, they, we're looking to get their buddies into the band. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and even saying, you know, how are you doing? You know, how's it going? You know, uh, it, you know what, what ideas do you have for the group? And they might say, well, you know, there's this, there's this video game music that, that we all really love. And I think that you would like it too. And, and the director, you know, I actually had this experience as a marching band director where, where somebody brought in some music and I had no idea what it was. And then they said it was video game music. I said, 
what? <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, it was it was from the Medal of Honor. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we ended up doing a whole marching band show on that. Um, and uh, so I, when we, rather than think like, oh, they're they're young, you know, they have so much to learn. When we realize that learning goes in all directions. Uh, when we're older, we can learn from the youth and the youth can learn from the older. Also, what I've also discovered is that sometimes uh, the better players in, in these groups are the younger students. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as, as someone who starts adult musicians, um, adult beginners and and, 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 and and young beginners, I think adults set an expectation for development that's unrealistic a lot of the time um and and so 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 they 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 may not end up progressing as fast as the kids who learning is just part of who they are that is that is the expectation of them in life at that stage and so they just kind of um they absorb a little bit more uh, whereas i think we we as adults set up barriers for ourselves and we set false expectations and emotionally that can can affect us a lot of the time and 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 so yeah i think you'll you'll often find lots of community bands certainly here in ireland and, and elsewhere it's it's those kids that are reaching that sort of uh, end of high school age they're they're just a bit, maybe about to leave their community band to go off to college and, and hopefully we'll get them back in their 30s um but but they're usually at the the peak of their playing at around that age mm-hmm. um and but but the skeleton of the band then you know the, the backbone of the the players that are just always going to be there are those adults that are in that band that have probably taught those kids isn't that amazing yeah you know it's it's creating the culture that you want to create by design rather than letting it happen haphazardly. So it's mm. about deciding what do you want? And I think every director needs to take that moment for personal reflection. Maybe it's through journaling. Maybe it's talking with, with, a, with a good friend, a, a colleague about, you know, hey, this is where, where my band's at. But and ask the question, you know, if, if the band could, you know, take one step forward, what does that look like to you? Does that mean playing more challenging music? Or does that, which is, Fine. It doesn't mean uh, raising the performance level, which is fine. Does it mean uh, creating a culture uh, where the, you can tell there's much more joy in the rehearsal, where, where people are eager, with, they wake up in the morning with anticipation to come to the rehearsal, um, where, where there's, there's kind of a, a magic in, in the air. And, uh, you know, when you, maybe you ask a question and like many hands go up because everybody's invested. Um, yeah. You know, you, you ask, you know, what are you looking forward to in this rehearsal? And, and people are just so excited for it. That's the kind of culture you want to create. You can be intentional about uh, making that happen, right? I really like that question. What does one step forward look like? What, what is that for your, for, for, for your group? I think that's a gr- that really boils things down, doesn't it? It, it? You just have to filter all of these questions that you ask yourself constantly we, we all have a hundred different questions in our in our in our mind about how to run our band uh, but you, if you boil it down to what does one step forward look like um that really focuses the mind isn't that interesting sometimes we make goals that are so grandiose right we want to win the macy's day parade okay well let's let's back it up let's back it up and, and what's one thing that you can do today yeah, because we are dreamers. I think you know, as 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 anyone that's in band, particularly if you're a director, then then you've spent a life in the arts, and and so you're 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 
expected and 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 you you live a life of of dreaming and and creating and and so so we we do tend to think of grandiose ideas i've i've often been studying a score and found myself 10 minutes into it have completely lost myself in that score imagining myself conducting this at some big concert in carnegie hall or something like that um you know i mean we've all done i i know i know just even practicing something on clarinet here at home you know and just forgetting that i was actually and just imagining that i'm in a concert hall and you know like we i think we have a tendency to do that as musicians maybe and um for the development of our program i i just love this idea of focusing the mind and what's beautiful is if you don't do it alone if you bring mm. your band into the conversation this is this is key and this is what i learned through through my you know uh, application of leadership and, and working with groups when the director shares their vision this is what we're going to do this year that's one thing, right? And that can be inspirational. You can have a charismatic leader and everyone's like, yes, mm-hmm. let's do it. But I find <laughs> that the sticking power, the buy-in, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the motivation, the inspiration comes from when we say, all right, what do you want to do special this year? And how are we going to get there? What ideas do you have? And all of a sudden, this, the musicians are given that voice, given a space to be listened to and to share openly in a a safe, brave space. And and sometimes that's where the greatest ideas come from. They come from within the ensemble. And that's that idea of synergy, right? And and that together we are so much more. And that's that's really modeling that. So we're much more than just performing one piece of music, but but we are a a collective body of individuals with with brilliant, creative dreams that each person brings. And, And when they're given a voice, that's when you can create a vision together and a vision created together, a mission created together is much more powerful than a mission created alone. Matthew, I could talk to you all day about this. Um, I, 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 I love some of the ideas. I, I think certainly a takeaway from me because I'm, I'm, I have a tendency to have these grandiose strategic plans there, you know, 40 50 page documents sometimes of this is what our plan is for the next three years um but i i I like the idea of maybe you know really thinking about what does one step forward look like i i i really like that and and uh you know what i think that might be a great question to put into um our facebook group today um what does one step forward for your band look like in 2021 Mm. um and i'm gonna ask you that question now actually i think this is um this is a good segue i think uh, i did want to talk to you a little bit about um setting goals for 2021 uh, we we've experienced 2020 uh, of course and, and and we know that setting goals can be um uh, can be dangerous <laughs> because we don't know what's coming <laughs> how can we because i think goal setting is important you know I, I don't think we should start 2021 off saying well there's no point <laughs> i think goal setting is important um and how do we how do we approach 2021 how do we sit down and set out goals for ourselves for this year 
Well, I appreciate that you said goals for ourselves because this has been something that I've put a lot of thought into. And and I recognize that that we often, you know, create New Year's resolutions and, and make a list. And it often includes like losing weight and going to the gym yeah. five days a week. and Check and check. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. And, you know, maybe cutting out all sweets and you know, all, all these things that you, you set up and, and then it, you know, we find as we, you know, push it comes to shove, it's difficult to, to stay on that. Right. But what, what I want to share is that instead of focusing on what, uh, like a goal like that, I want to focus on who I want to be in 21. I want to focus on becoming the best version of myself. And, and who is that? Because if I can, if that can become my identity, if I can be that, then the actions naturally follow, right? So if I decide that this year, my word is, which it is, this is the word I've selected for myself. This is kind of really reflecting. The word is gratitude. So if I am gratitude, I am going to be grateful in 2021. How does that then impact my actions? Well, I'll tell you what, I plan to serve a lot more. I plan to give a lot more. I plan to share my appreciation for others a lot more and not keep it to myself. I, I plan to, to journal about what brings me gratitude daily and write down you know, three things that I'm grateful for every morning. But I'll tell you what, when there's a person on that list that comes up, I'm not going to just keep it in the journal. I'm going to share it with them. And so mm. see that if you begin with who do you want to be and, and people choose uh, uh, you know, uh, anything you want, you know, uh, I, I know a friend who chose, I want to be light. I love that. I want to be light in 21, right? I want to, I want to shine a light on others. I want to, I want to let my own light shine in 21. You kind of see how that is maybe a little different of a mm. spin than just listing goals, you know, like, and goals are fine. So let's say, you know, that you want to study a score this year, you know, that that's a goal. Maybe, maybe you want to, improve your musicianship this year that's that's a great goal um maybe but but maybe you decide what i want to be in 2021 is more present i want to be present i want to be more awake i want to be more alive in 21 i want to be more present for the loved ones in my life because we're often at home you know all the time but i want to be there i want to be there for them and i want to appreciate every moment that i get to have Right? And, and, and approach it with, with the enthusiasm and treasuring the now, as opposed to always, you know, uh, looking back at the past and having a sense of guilt or looking into the future where we often experience worry, but actually capture the moment today. And that's if you begin with, I want to be present in 21. That's, that's another way uh, that I think if you keep going back to that and set your intention each morning. That's that's the thing. We set our intention on, on January 1st. Right. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new beginning. It's a, it's a blank slate. And, and if the day before didn't go well, you can wake up and embrace the day. And what I share with others is to change your mindset of how you wake up in the morning. You can begin by, instead of waking up to an alarm clock, wake up to an opportunity clock, right? And, and, and realize that this is a new day. And focus on something that brings you joy, gratitude, or comfort in the morning. And, and start yourself off in a, in a positive frame of mind. And I'll share that. What we think about uh, and focus on, those thoughts become sticky. <laughs> so think of our thoughts as <laughs> sticky. Isn't that interesting? It's like Pandora or Spotify where you put in a piece of music and it attracts music like it. Our thoughts are the same way. So if you can focus on something you're grateful for, 
and really zero in on that for 17 seconds. <laughs> I say you can change your life in 17 seconds. And for 17 <laughs> seconds, focus on something that you're grateful for. That will put your uh, mind in, in that frame. And then you will start to attract other thoughts like that. And you'll start to notice other things that you're grateful for. And it might be a glass of water, right? It might be a, a glass of, uh, or a, a mug of, of coffee, right? Or, you know, or, or your pets. Yeah, you start- uh, it's, a mug of coffee is normally something that I'm very grateful for <laughs> in the morning. Oh, yeah. But it's it's returning to this every day. And I think that's the that's what we need to commit to in 21. I th- I, yeah, particularly when our goals are... Uh, um, uh, quite broad like that as well. I, I know f- a word from two words really for me for 2021 have been consistency mm. and sustainability. And they, they sort of go hand in hand. If some, if I can, if I can be sustain, if, if I can set some, if I can do something in a sustainable way, I can, I can make, make that consistent. Uh, and so they're, 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 they've been my two goals. Um, but because they're such broad goals this year, that's something that I have to return to on a regular basis. Am I being consistent? Am I being sustainable? Uh, uh, and um, if that's just something I think about on January 1st and I don't come back to that on a, on a semi-regular basis, uh, that's not something that I'm going to achieve, I don't think. Yeah, it's taking those 365 broad goal and turning it into a, a 16-hour day goal, right? Mm. Like in the morning... Um, writing your goals for the day, setting your intention. For me, I, I, I meditate every morning and I journal and, and I, I do plan the day. And, and in that planning, I, I set my intention and, and write out my goals. So it's like, I want, and what's my big goal? Well, today I want to connect or today I want to serve. Today I want to inspire. And then the, the details of what I'm going to do that day are going to help me achieve that goal. So you and you journal in the Matthew. Let you journal in the morning, Matthew. Um, uh, that's you know. I know a lot of people uh, like to journal maybe in the evening as a sort of a reflection on the day. But I, I do like this idea of of journaling actually in the morning to sort of set your not your to do list. I think that's different, um, but just sort of a, a, a direction for the day. You you do that in the morning. Yes, I do. And yeah, so I've been finding that, you know, just have a, have a notebook, have my blue pen. <laughs> I've actually been <laughs> writing cursive lately because it just kind of flows. And I just know, mm. judge, don't judge at all. Just be creative and just let it flow and uh, and just see what's what's on your mind that day. And, and oftentimes I, I find, you know, reflection in it. Sometimes it's about appreciation it's often about uh, recognizing what I get to do. That's become a really important thing for me. I, I call it the power of get. And and I think instead of thinking what I have to do, I think I get to do this day, and it and it changes everything. I get to have this breath. I get to I get to uh, talk to Keith Kelly today, right? I get to I get to teach music. I get to connect with colleagues. I get to you know hug my wife. I get to you know, you know, have this day. And, and for me, that's, that's changed everything. In fact, uh, just to share with the listeners, for me, the power of get is I actually take those three letters, G E T. And I take G as gratitude, E enthusiasm, T treasure, I treasure the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and it, it comes across Matthew. I mean, you've, you've been, you've, 
been a, an inspiration to talk to even for this short time that we've been able to do so. Um, and I'd love for people to be able to uh, follow up on this because I, I'm sure this has struck a nerve with a lot of people, be they band directors or musicians, that you know they want to set off into 2021 in a positive way. And, and, and sometimes we just need a little bit of assistance and guidance in, in, in doing that. And you have a number of forms and, and, and places where people can find you uh, and you have a number of events and so on that are coming up that people might be able to take part in too. Tell me a little bit about Upbeat Global um, and the events that you're running and, and where people can find you um, in, 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 in the coming weeks and months. Absolutely. Well, uh, Upbeat Global has it really came into to full force uh, with, the, with the pandemic. And uh, I'd created the company uh, about six months prior, but I felt this massive compulsion to just go into go into service, to just throw myself out there to, to find how could I serve and lift others in as many ways as possible. And the mission and the vision of Upbeat Global is to inspire positivity through leadership and music around the world. And I truly believe that that positivity is contagious. And that together, you know, combining leadership, music, gratitude, and inspiration together, that, that we can lift uh, locally, right? And, and, but we can lift our community and, and we can expand and, and transform uh, the world. And, and particularly with the focus on negativity in the world and, and, and the, the news and, and, and all the, the challenges and the, the hardships and the adversity. And, and, and these are real challenges like the, the loss that, that, that we've experienced. And so many of us have, have even lost loved ones in this, in this tragic time. But even within you know, great adversity, uh, there's opportunity to, to find the light. And, and if you can't find it, you can be the light. Right, be the light in the darkness, and that's one of the missions of of Upbeat Global. So I've created a website, uh, which is upbeatglobal.com, and I encourage you to go there. On that site, there's there's many uh, podcasts, videos, uh, articles, webinars uh, posted up there for free access, and uh, you can sign up for our Upbeat newsletter, where you'll um, be you know, given inspirational ideas and, and stories. Uh, and there's a blog and we have events coming up, but I want to also invite you to join a Facebook group uh, called Upbeat Leaders. And this has become a, a space, uh, about a thousand members right now, but I'd love to continue to grow our, our membership. We do have uh, music educators from all over the world. And it's a place that you, that you can go to every day for a positive message, for, for inspiration, to lift each other up. And uh, that, that's the goal of Upbeat Leaders. Uh, so I encourage you to, to join that. Uh, one exciting event, Keith. I, I just want to share one mm. opportunity. Is that okay to, to tell? Oh, absolutely. This? Yes, please do. All right. So I, I've recognized that this, this, okay, this is the understatement of the year. This, this year... <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know that the 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 school year in the United States goes from like August to June. So this this school year uh, in the United States has been uh, different than than any other school year. And and the events that we would often look forward to at different 
guideposts throughout the year. Like oftentimes we would know there's like marching band in the fall and then, you know, a holiday concert. And then uh, February, March we, uh, and, and early April, we'd have band festivals and band contests. And, and then, uh, you know, April and May would uh, leadership training. And then we roll into marching season again. This is kind of the high school, typical high school calendar. Well, most of us aren't going to be having uh, band festival concerts uh, coming up like we would normally. And so I've realized, hey, what's the need? How can I serve our community? And I'm talking the global community. How can I serve students and their music teachers? And so with, with my uh, Upbeat team members, we have uh, created an event that I invite you to register for, to become a part of, and, and to bring your students. And it's for band, choir, and orchestra students. And it's called the Upbeat Recharge Retreat. And it's all mm. it's online. It's on Zoom. It's two and a half hours for students from uh, Eastern time, uh, 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern. And it's uh, uh, 3.30 to 5 p.m. Eastern time for the directors. And directors who register students that get to attend for free. And you, you can register at upbeatglobal.com. It's on Saturday, February 13. And... Uh, Keith was telling me that the timing of this works out great for, for, for Europe too. So I'm excited. It, excited it does. It's, it's realistic. Let's put it that way. Sometimes when we see, see, see things that are, that are happening uh, in the, in the U S uh, you know, it means a, a 1 AM uh, session for us here in Europe, but actually I think this is nice and realistic. I think it looks like it's about uh, half eight to half 10 uh, <laughs> in the evening, which is the band practice time for a lot of people here in Europe too. So uh, yeah, I think if you're a European particular, if you're on Greenwich mean, time maybe if you're a little bit further uh towards the east uh, uh in mainland europe might be a little bit late but definitely here in ireland and the uk it seems perfect well that's wonderful well if you're feeling you know maybe like like your light is is dimming or you, your fuel tank is low or really like your battery is is getting a little bit lower and and i know these are really challenging times uh my my hope is that uh through attending the upbeat recharge retreat you will experience during the event and you will leave the event supercharged and your students will have strategies and tools and a, and a, a reframed, a refreshed, a reimagined, a renewed mindset for when they return to your classrooms, whether that's you know online or in person, socially distanced, that they recognize the, the light that they have within and that every student has so much to offer. And in the director session, we're going to, uh, focus on how you can take the ideas from the student session and, and lift yourself up, but also how you can um, apply the principles of upbeat leadership uh, in your curriculum and to, to heighten the level of uh, experience and to, to raise the level of culture and to raise the level of leadership of every one of your students. Well, Matthew, uh, I'm certainly going to be attending. Uh, it, awesome. it, it it sounds like a great way to kick off the new year. Um, my hope uh, by the end of this uh, this show was to be able to really outline who you are and the work that you do and why people should go and find out a little bit more about uh, Matthew Arrow. And I and I hope uh, I hope we've been able to do that. Um, so don't forget if you're looking for the podcasts that are about people from around the world, that's Global Bandroom. If you're looking for digital services for, um, for, for, for music education, that's Upbeat Marketing. But if you're looking for leadership and inspiration and workshops and 
Matthew and global and, and, and upbeat global is where you want to go. And don't worry, if you find yourself in the wrong place, me and Matthew will direct you, redirect you to where you need to go. Isn't that right? Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Matthew, happy new year to you. You've been uh, an absolute breath of fresh air to talk about, to talk to. Um, and one of the reasons I love doing this podcast. It's been such a pleasure. What a great way for me to start off the day here in Wisconsin. Thanks so much, Keith, uh, for the invitation. So a huge thank you to Matthew for joining me on this second podcast of 2021. I hope you were just as inspired and uplifted as I was by that conversation. Uh, again, you can find out much more about Matthew over on his website, upbeatglobal.com. And you can find out more about everything that he's doing over on globalbandroom.com, where we have the show notes for this episode as well. I'll be back next week talking to more great guests from around the band world. So head over to wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with me on Facebook and Instagram at The Global Band Room and our website, globalbandroom.com. So until then, stay safe and I'll see you back in the band room.